Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So, on July 2017, four teens went missing in New Hope, PA. I worked the overnight shift at Wawa in that area and from 10pm to 6am, we got all types. The normal obnoxious drunks, cops and the occasional construction worker or gardener in there for morning coffee and just everyone. So, when yet another customer came in covered in dirt, I figured he was just a hard-working man in a blue-collar job. He had been in before, so we made small talk and he went on his way. And that was Friday. I didn't see him on Saturday, but then on Sunday he was in again. He got food and a drink, and after the normal hi, how are you, he just went on his way again. Monday comes, and I'm working like normal, when a few cops come in for coffee, and you can tell that something's wrong. We got a lead on those missing teens, they said solemnly, but we're searching a farm down the road. And at this point, all of our hearts sank. It had been days since they went missing, so we were slowly losing hope, but this confirmed our worst suspicions. The cops were out there all night, stopping in occasionally to update us. Whether or not they were actually supposed to, I'm not too sure. But they brought in dogs, and eventually they, they found them, 12 feet down and covered in concrete. And it was bad. At the scene, they could only identify two of the teens based on their clothing, but there were enough bones to imply that all four were down there, and everyone was just completely devastated. Then, the cops asked for our security tapes, and why, we asked confused. We haven't had any suspicious people around. 
But it was then that they revealed that the killer, a guy named Cosmo Donato, had in fact been in our store Friday night and again on Sunday. His cousin actually helped him kill, but he wasn't in the store, and the dirt-covered man, he was that guy. I was obviously floored, and when I left work, I looked up a picture of the man that they arrested, and it was him. And apparently, he was covered in dirt because he had just buried the bodies. And I had made small talk and wished him a good day. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It was the house I lived in as a kid. We only stayed there for a year because each of us experienced something. So as soon as we could, we, we moved out. I've honestly been wanting to share my story for a while now, but I've just never had the time. So I'll start by sharing the creepiest ones that I personally experienced. So the first one happened on my 10th birthday party. I had a few of my friends over for a slumber party and we had our sleeping bags on the floor of the living room. The living room was the front of the house and behind our front porch. When you walked into the house through the porch, you'd get to the front door, and once in the doorway, there was a staircase to the left, a half-bathroom directly in front, and the living room connected to the dining room to the right. The left of the dining room was the kitchen, and it was behind the half-bathroom. So, like I said, we were having a slumber party, and we were doing whatever it was that ten-year-old girls do at sleepovers, when I just got a, an uneasy feeling. There were windows behind the couch that were directly looking onto the porch. I remember not wanting to look anywhere near the windows. I was kind of sitting on the floor with my friends when, in the corner of my eye, I, I saw something bright on the stairs. I didn't want to look, but for whatever reason, I, I did. I looked, and at the bottom of the staircase was a, a little boy. He was pale, black hair, and had dark circles around his eyes. He looked calm, and he was just kind of watching this wasn't the first time that I saw him, though I immediately turned my head and was just frozen. But while I'm sitting there terrified, one of the girls starts yelling that there was someone on the porch. We booked it upstairs and we locked ourselves in my bedroom and just sat in a circle and listened as the girl told us that there was an old woman on the porch. Each of us were rightfully scared half to death at this point and then the crash happened. In the middle of our talking, we hear what sounded like glass shattering. Again, frozen, some of the braver girls who didn't believe us decided to go and investigate. We followed and there was nothing. Absolutely nothing was broken. But we all heard it. It sounded like someone smashed the window in with a baseball bat. Well, 
We ended up sleeping very closely tucked away in my tiny room that night. And looking back on it, I don't know why I never woke up my parents during any of that. So another time, I was babysitting my younger sister. At this time, it was just me and my three sisters, ages 13, 15, and 2. I was still 10. And my older sister and I were home from school with a stomach bug. And my mum had to go and get my five-year-old sister from school and asked us to watch our younger sister. We were sitting in the living room and she was eating some snacks and had a sippy cup of water. The tops of the cup must have not been screwed on tight enough because when she knocked it over, water spilled just everywhere. My older sister went to the kitchen to get some napkins to clean it up. When she came back, she handed me some of the napkins and we both started cleaning. We were on our hands and knees wiping up the water when we started to hear banging coming from the second floor. We both paused, looked at each other and we didn't say anything. But we both had that look of, you heard that too, right? We stayed silent and kept cleaning, then again another bang. At this point, we stand up and are still silent, just staring at the ceiling. And then came the giggling. We heard little kids upstairs laughing. Then the laughing turned to singing. Just little children singing in what sounded like a, a choir or something. My sister scooped up the baby and we ran straight outside. It was a clear day out that day and I remember once we got outside, it started to rain. We had no choice but to go back inside, but we stayed on the front porch until my mum got home. Now, but before we moved to the house, I spent the first nine years of my life in a house that we were renting. My childhood was pretty much heaven. Absolute 1990s kid heaven. I never had any real paranormal experiences in our first home, but I did have some strange uh, premonitions that came true about family tragedies after I started getting severe migraines which is actually what I'm feeling a bit now, so I'm kind of nervous bringing this all up again. But anyway, our landlord was planning on selling our home, so we had to act quick and find a new place. I remember looking at a few homes and going to open houses with my family, and I remember the open house for this one. I stayed in the car, I told my parents that it wasn't the right place, and they went in anyway. Later that week, we got the call that we got the house, and my parents were excited to finally be homeowners, but... I was still apprehensive, but also still kind of excited to have our own home. After the year that we spent there, they decided to take me to every open house afterwards to make sure the homes were clear. In fact, my dad still asks me to pick lottery numbers for him. Anyway, we finally got ourselves moved in and it didn't take long to realize that things were just off. The house was two-story, the first floor was the kitchen, dining room, living room and half bathroom like I said, the upstairs was a full bath and two bedrooms and we were a family of six at the time. So my two younger sisters had the bedroom next to my parents room and the basement was converted to a bedroom for my older sister and I. I never slept in there though, I always shared a bed with my younger sister in her room. The basement just had its own creepy vibe, as most basements do. and. That's where we saw the woman in the wedding dress the most. I have to admit that my older sister was really brave to sleep down there by herself. But the basement had this weird stage type thing in there. It was right by the laundry room with the boiler. And there was heaps of stuff in this area that was just one big step where we kept some storage. To block off the clutter, my sister decorated it with some sort of hippie beads, I think. Now, there was one time my sister was laying in her bed doing some homework and my mum was in the laundry room doing laundry when they started to hear the beads clanking into each other. 
My mum poked her head out to see what the sound was, and when she saw them swaying, she walked out and stood next to my sister just to watch what was happening. They then began to shake even more violently, like they were about to be yanked off the ceiling. They ran upstairs and stayed away from the basement for a while after that, and my mum was always scared to do the laundry after that too. She said that she always felt like someone was watching her down there, so she would sing to herself to stay calm. I can't remember the timelines of all of these events, they're all just kind of scattered in my brain, so I'll start with the events in the basement and the bedroom. So we went away on vacation for a few days, and the house, although it was nice, it started to get a, a lot of problems. One of them being mice. We never saw one, but would hear scratching, so before we left, my dad put mouse traps around the house. There was a hole in the ceiling in the basement where my dad had placed one, and when we got home, he went around to collect and check the traps. When he reached into the ceiling, he found the trap was gone, but found that something else was in its spot. It was a, a postcard dated from the 1930s, and it was what you would imagine an old postcard to look like. It was stained and worn and it was signed and dated with a name that we didn't know and we read, Wish You Were Here. I wish we kept it and I wish I remembered more about this day but my dad got rid of it. He didn't show it but I'm sure he was pretty creeped out as well. And we never did find that mousetrap. Now, this one scares me the most even though I didn't see it. My sister was in her bedroom when she saw this lace in the corner of her eye. She looked up but didn't see anything and she kept doing whatever it was that she was doing and then she saw it again. And again, there was nothing when she looked up. But this went on for a few times when finally she looked up and she saw her. An old woman with frizzy grey hair looking really disheveled and angry. She had a white veil and a white lace wedding dress and the way my sister described her was that she was standing with her arms at her sides but kind of stretched out. They were by her sides but not touching her body and her hands were stretched out. My sister said that she looked frozen and her face looked stuck and as quick as she was there, she was gone again. My sister didn't spend much time in her room after that one and she was the only one who fully saw her. The rest of us would just see the lace pass us in our peripheral vision. And so that's what I can remember of the basement at the moment. And now I'm going to talk about the boy. The first time that I saw him was in the upstairs bathroom i just finished up in the shower and was looking in the mirror and combing out my hair. I know this is going to sound cliche, but the mirrors that we had above the sink were cabinet split into four, so one was slightly open which gave me more of a view of the bathroom, and as I was brushing my hair I looked down for a second and back up and that's when I saw him for the first time. I looked in the mirror and just saw him standing behind me on my left side. He had the same expression on his face as the first story, calm but his eyes looked sad and they were dark, his skin was pale but for some reason I remember him wearing a, a type of scally cap but his hair was black and messy underneath it. I of course screamed and ran to my mum's room and it all lasted about 5 seconds. The second time I saw him he didn't have the hat. It was the time of the slumber party and, and we had this kind of banister type thing at the end of the stairs. He was standing on the last step with his elbow rested on the banister and again he was just watching and he scared me but made me feel sad too. My older sister was the one who saw the nurse. She walked into the living room and just saw a nurse casually sitting on our couch. She was dressed in the traditional old-fashioned nurse dress and hat and everything and my little sister who was five was sitting in the kitchen with my parents as they cooked dinner. 
I remember watching TV when I heard screaming coming from the kitchen and curiously I walked in and saw my parents trying to calm her down. She said that someone was trying to hold her hand and she had her hands behind her back playing with the chair so my dad tried to convince her that it was just her own hand touching the other but she didn't buy it. She's 24 now and still stands by what she felt and she said that she felt someone grab her hand. Another time with that same sister, my mum was washing her hair in the kitchen sink. The way my mum would do this is that she would lay a towel on the counter and she would lay on it and our heads would hang halfway into the sink. So, while she was getting her hair washed, she was looking at a box of strawberries on the counter and she yelled for my mum to look and they both watched as the brand new strawberries turned mouldy in a matter of one minute. My younger sister, she was two, almost three at the time, she also used to scream and cry about the mean man. My mum would always try to calm her down, but it was never with much luck. She would ask her what man and where is the man and she would point to the stairs and hide her face away. But the way the stairs were designed was that they were mostly just straight down, but towards the end, they turned just a little. She would always point to the corner of the stairs and it was always the fifth step. And every time that we had company over, someone would fall down those stairs once they reached the fifth step. We never really told anyone that our house was haunted because, honestly, who wants to tell people that? But every person who came over and fell on those stairs said that it felt like someone pulled their legs down. But they all fell the same way too, and it even happened to me and my mum and one of my other sisters, and yeah, it did feel like that. One time my mum was alone and she was sitting on a bed when just out of nowhere a, a pillow was thrown at her face. My parents saw a teddy bear get picked up off a shelf and carefully placed on the floor one time. Like gently just in the air. Same thing with a cheerio another time. There was also a Furby that we had. What kid in 2000 didn't have one right? And the whole thing would just go crazy at random times. Saying things that Furbies didn't even say. We took the batteries out and tossed it in the basement and even then it never stopped, even without batteries. And eventually we just ended up throwing it out. Now, when we were getting close to moving, we had one neighbour tell us that way back in the 1940s or 50s that a nurse lived there with her son. I always wondered if the little boy was there with his mum, the nurse who was on the couch. Another neighbour came by once for a cookout and he had a bit too much to drink and went on to tell this crazy story about the whole block was notoriously haunted. We never told anyone about any of our experiences and he didn't know at the time so that was strange. At the end of all of this, none of us ever really slept alone. We all slept in sleeping bags in our parents' room with our parents and it was just a, an awful place. I still can't drive down that street without getting a sick feeling and when I do see the house, there's almost always a, a for sale sign on the lawn. I developed awful OCD while living there too because I was scared that my loved ones would get hurt. My dad was so normal back then but after all of that he, he changed. I don't know if something happened that he doesn't want to tell us about but he's finally just now coming back around. Our next house was wonderful, but then a couple of years in, some scary things started happening there too. Some people have mentioned that since my family is sensitive to these things, that we could be like a, a magnet or something. But that's for a whole nother post. I'm really sorry about the length of this and how messy it is, but like I said, I, I can't remember everything in order. And if I remember any more, I'll make sure to share it with you. Anyway... 
Uh, thanks for listening, and um, any feedback or interest is much appreciated. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So last night, my friends, my crush and I, agreed to meet at my favorite bar after work. I was a bit early since I got to leave work 30 minutes early, so I went inside and ordered a beer for myself. Now, there was a huge muscular guy with a long ponytail sitting at the bar and the seat next to him was empty. He offered me to sit down, so I did. We made small talk and he seemed nice enough. Just asked me why I'm all alone and he kept talking about how I look so uneasy and nervous and that I should relax. It was weird, but he had an almost empty bottle of vodka in front of him, so I really didn't think anything of it. My friends finally arrived just as I finished my first beer and we went to sit at a table. I had three more bottles of beer and we were having a great time and whenever I went to the toilet, that guy from the bar was there asking me if I was okay. Now, that was pretty strange, but at the time I, I felt just a little bit tipsy and everything was okay. At some point though, I, I started to feel sick, so I went outside to have a cigarette and get some cold air and the guy followed me outside and asked if I was okay. I was starting to get weirded out by that at this point. The bar was super full, but he really seemed to watch me all night. I went back inside, ordered a glass of water and told my friends that I wasn't feeling well and would be going home. They all offered to bring me home, which I'm so darn grateful for looking back. I took a sip of water and then it all just hit me. I ran outside and threw up and I could barely stand up all of a sudden, so I sat down on a staircase and kept throwing up. My friends found me a few minutes later and kept arguing about whether they should take me to a taxi or carry me home. And then, the guy from the bar showed up. He kept saying that he lives just down the street and that I could sleep on his couch. My co-worker, who is basically like an older brother to me, got really pissed by this and told the guy to F off. They forced me to stand up, which was almost impossible at that point, and somehow dragged me to my friend's place where I went to sleep, hugging a bucket and feeling like I was going to die any second. This morning, I wasn't able to stand up for hours, and when I did, it resulted in instant vomiting. It was 1pm when I finally managed to go to the train station, get something to eat and drink, and head home. I'm still shaking and sweating, and everything still looks blurry for me. 
I've never felt like this and I went to get a test done because of it all and it came back positive for ketamine. So, this is a story about the underground tunnels in my town that me and my friends used to visit when we were kids. We'd heard stories about these tunnels, so we wanted to check them out for ourselves. So when we were kids, we began visiting these old underground tunnels that were built during World War I for the military. The tunnels were small and only one person could go in a line and you couldn't go by someone's side because there was just no light and it was too tight so we needed to carry our own flashlights and walk very carefully. It was really hard to coordinate inside these tunnels as well so we used to carry chalk so that we could mark the direction that we were coming from and didn't get lost. The first two to three times that we went there everything was pretty good. But we never went deep inside the tunnels, only like maybe a hundred meters or so. One day we wanted to go deeper inside so we made a plan and we went inside. My friend Mark was first in line and then my other friend Alexander and then me and the rest of the gang behind me. The guy that was last in the line was marking our path and making sure that we didn't get lost. But soon enough we did get lost. We started panicking and we were inside the tunnels for three hours and the strange thing is that it seemed like someone was erasing our marks on the wall. We needed an escape plan so we just continued walking in the direction that we thought was the way we came in. And after about 15 minutes of walking I noticed the most disgusting smell that I've ever experienced in my life and I didn't notice it when we went in so I knew that we were going in the wrong direction. I told my friend Mark that this seemed strange and that we needed to turn back around and go back the way we came. He hesitated but eventually agreed with me so we went back. And then we started hearing noises and we were pretty scared at this point and everybody was hearing scratches on the wall and footsteps. But one of our friends said that he saw someone behind us but I think he was just paranoid and that his mind was just playing tricks on him. Eventually we came to the part of the tunnels that we were familiar with but we couldn't find any of our marks. About one and a half more hours in the tunnels and we finally found the exit and went out. Now that next week I was with my parents in our living room watching news on the TV when I heard that the local cemetery sunk in the ground because of some of the underground tunnels breaking. And then it hit me. The smell that I'd noticed while we were down there was because we were under the cemetery. I still can't really explain how our marks managed to disappear from the walls, but I can assure you that there was no one in the tunnels except us. And after that experience, I started to believe in all the stories that I'd heard about the tunnels, and I swore that I would never go near those tunnels ever again. My fiancé and I threw a dinner party one time to celebrate his mum completing chemo. I hired a caterer, but we were expecting 25 friends and family, so it was more than the kitchenette of our single-story ranch house could handle. We'd also only just moved in, so didn't have a lot of cooking staples. The caterer said that he'd bring everything, 75% done, but he needed to finish off some dishes in our kitchen. I told him that that was fine as long as he was finished by five because the kitchen is centrally located and we'd prefer everyone be finished before the guests arrive due to the intimate nature of the occasion and all that. And he said that that would be fine. 
So, he arrives as scheduled at 12pm, we gave him until 5 and the guests aren't even arriving until 6, so it's plenty of time. And he smelled like actual dog crap. But his accent sounded European, so I thought that maybe he just didn't believe in deodorant or something. It was more than a sweat smell though. It smelled like a, a sunbaked diaper if I'm being honest and that made me uneasy because he was going to be preparing food for the sick and young children. But I just made sure that he washed his hands and then I left him to his own devices worrying that I was just being presumptuous. Throughout the entire process he keeps pulling me aside to ask me questions though and have me taste things and whatnot. I was super busy because my husband had to work during the day and pick up the surprise guest right after, so setting up the deck, decorating, putting together the slideshow equipment, coordinating the surprise guest. We flew in her sister and I had to make sure that she got an Uber at the airport and her hotel had worked out and all that. And just a, a million other little details. So, every 10 minutes being asked things like, do you prefer this with paprika or without, with this is fine, whatever you think, tasted to be sure, was getting old pretty fast. When he was still there at 5.45 after two gentle reminders, I flat out told him that I needed him completely out by 6 no matter what. He apologised and said that there had been a delay because our oven wouldn't stay up to temperature. I'd never had a problem with our oven, but I figured he's the professional. Maybe it was a subtle problem that I'd never noticed. A little before six rolls around, a few of our friends start trickling in. I decided to tell him that whatever is done is done, and whatever isn't, that he should just put it in the fridge. But he's nowhere to be found. I go out on the deck to ask my friends if they'd seen him, and he's out there alcohol beverage in hand, out of his chef whites and now in a tea and jeans just mingling with my friends. I walked out just in time for him to introduce himself to my cousin-in-law as a, a good friend of mine. And no, that was too weird for me. I met him in person for the first time just barely six hours ago and I told him then that he needed to leave. And now he goes inside and gets his bag and makes a beeline for my bedroom. I'm taken aback and I say, excuse me, where are you going? And he says, to change. So, first of all, we have a guest bathroom clearly visible. Second, why can't he wear a t-shirt and jeans home? I tell him that I'm not comfortable with him going into my room, but he insists that it'll only be a second and goes in and shuts and locks the door. I couldn't even get a word out before he went in and I just felt helpless. I was going outside to ask one of my friends to help me usher him out, but at that point, my fiancé got there with my aunt-in-law. I had to explain the situation to him, nearly in tears at that point, and he was like, what? He went into your bedroom? Why? So, he pounded on the door and the caterer came out, still in a t-shirt and jeans, and my fiancé said, you shouldn't be in there, you need to leave. And the caterer said, excuse me, but this is not your house. It's not up to you to decide. And my 6'4", 260-pound fiancé tells him, yes, actually, it is his house. And puts a hand on his back and guides him to the door. The caterer says, I thought that she lived here. And he says, yes, my fiancé lives here with me. And the caterer goes nuts. He turns to me and screams, you lied to me. 
I have no clue what he's talking about, but he starts yelling about how I let him on and starts calling me every name under the sun, and I don't know who he thought that the man in the pictures with me around the house was, but my fiancé says, Oh no, you won't talk that way in this house. Find the door, now. And the caterer goes into the kitchen and starts throwing the trays of food out of the refrigerator and on the floor. At that point, my fiancé realized that two of his brothers, both currently offensive linemen at the college level, had come in and were on the deck. He signaled them and they came inside and he basically said that this guy is harassing my woman. Since they're a family of all boys and my fiancé is the first to get married, they don't get to flex their protective muscles too often and they jumped at the chance to toss this guy out. And then, the party went on as planned. But... I insisted we just ordered pizza and throw out all the food that he made, just in case, you know. My fiancé and friends kept saying, isn't that a bit much, but I was insistent. But we went out late drinking with his brothers and got home at around 3.30am and I passed out in our room. Now, at around 5am, I was woken up to the sound of the door opening. I figured that either he forgot to lock the door in our drunken stupor and it blew open or one of his family forgot their keys or something in the house and didn't want to wake us up. His parents and his local brother have a key. But his parents never, ever, and I mean ever, let themselves in when they know that we're home. And his brother had had even more than we did and was definitely not awake and driving around at 5am. It wasn't nearly windy enough for the door to have blown open too. It had been tranquil all night. So I wake up my fiancé and whisper, someone just came in the house. And he said the same thing. Probably my brother left his wallet or something. I figured that I was just being paranoid and I tried to put it to rest when I hear a loud crash sound. And with that, my fiancé was up and on his feet in one movement. He told me to lock myself in the closet and call 911 while he went and looked around. As I was pulling out my phone, we hear in that distinct accent, hello, and I realize that it's just this insane caterer. I'm not worried about this caterer physically overpowering my fiancé, or even me for that matter, so I just charge right out there. The caterer is shirtless and clearly on something, and he's taking the pictures that are just of me off the wall and holding several in his arms already. He lunges towards me when he sees me and my fiancé gets between me and him and I call 911. My fiancé tells him that the cops have been called and it's in his best interest to get off the property. Caterer says, no, I have to make sure that she is okay. And I say, what? Why wouldn't I be okay? And my fiancé rightfully says not to engage with him and feed into it. My fiancé stays between me and him while I climb out a window he watches as the caterer throws photos of us on the floor. Fiancé didn't want to subdue or touch him in any way, so caterer couldn't make an assault claim, and he's begun to destroy our kitchen at this point, and when the cops come in, he has a butcher knife. Now, my fiancé considered going for the gun safe when he first got the knife, since we live in a stand-your-ground state, but he decided the situation was hectic enough without introducing a firearm. Caterer doesn't obey the police, orders to drop his weapon, and he says that he isn't leaving without me, so they tase him. It's honestly lucky for him that he only got tased and he didn't antagonize my husband into just squashing him. As he's let out in cuffs, he's shouting how he and I are in love, and it figures how I, I chose a macho thug over a sweet, sensitive artist like him, and all women are whores, and just etc., etc., 
He continues on this tirade the entire time the police are reading him his rights as well. The police ask us to do an inventory of the house and see if anything's missing or damaged besides what we witnessed him do, and we go around and there's nothing. But then I remember that he was in our room yesterday and I go through the room, and all my panties from the dirty laundry hamper, they were gone, and some toys were gone if you catch my drift too. We were so freaked out in the aftermath that we replaced all of our kitchenware, toothbrushes, and sent our sheets to be professionally cleaned, and had a cleaning crew do a clean on the whole house. And honestly, I'm so glad that we decided not to serve the food to our guests and my fiancé's medically fragile mother. He also sent me a letter from prison that, thankfully, my husband intercepted because I was still recovering from the whole thing and we gave it to the police who helped us to get issued a, a no-contact order. And he was sentenced to three years in prison five years ago. So, he's out by now, but thankfully, we haven't seen him. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.